What is going on, everyone? I am Danny Shirey here uh, at PPG Paints Arena for another 24-7 Penguins postgame show. The Penguins came out of the gates pretty well. Uh, they jumped out to an early 2-0 lead, and then the Penguins did what the Penguins have done all season. They had one of the, um, I don't even know what to call it. I feel like I'm out of adjectives for how to describe this team and, and some of the shortcomings and the inconsistencies that they have. Um, but lo and behold, by the end of the first period, they were trailing by multiple goals, and it was just an uphill battle uh, the entire rest of the game to even so much as try and claw back into it. Ultimately, they, ultimately they couldn't and fell 6-4 here to the Canadians, who just got lit up by the avalanche the night before and oh by the way if you take a look at their lineup that is not a team that should be beating these penguins colton here says what do you do in a situation like this with no goalie consistency uh i i really don't know what you do right because you've got tristan jari who is obviously your number one guy and if this team really has hopes of going anywhere they need him to be that guy and he just hasn't been that guy for them um, he's been pulled quite a bit here over the, his last few, not his last few starts, but over this past stretch here since he's returned from injury, he's been pulled on several occasions. Um, his, his movement still doesn't look great. Um, and, and Mike Sullivan has downplayed that he's still, you know, dealing with some sort of ailment or injury. But the, the fact of the matter is if, if you watch him, you can tell that something's not right. Um, I, I don't know that they necessarily rushed him back into the swing of things, but if, if he's good enough to be out there on the ice and in goal and getting starts, then they need him to be better than he is. That's It's just plain and simple. Casey DeSmith's a backup. He's nothing more than that. If you have to ride him as your number one, it's probably not going to end up going well. Tony here says, how many times have they blown a two-goal lead? Unreal. Well, I do not have the exact figure on me, but I know as of a few days ago, the Penguins were toward the top of the league, not only in blown third period leads, but blown third period leads in games that they went on to lose. Um, that's I, I think we can tie some of it maybe to being the, the league's oldest team. Yeah, like. But I, I don't think it's an effort thing either. And if, if we are talking about the league's oldest team here, it's like, OK, well, they've they've been through that adversity before. So they sh they should be well prepared to not be susceptible to those things. Yet this is something that's happened over and over and over again this season. Brandon says Pence played it overall a great game. This loss is all on Jari. Imagine a world where we had John Gibson and sent the Ducks our first round pick and Jari. I bet Anaheim takes it and maybe eats some cap going back. I, I don't know that this loss is all on Jari and, and Mike Sullivan even talked about it after the game. It's like if you're if you're looking just from a, a larger scope here, the Penguins dominated in terms of shots, chances, expected goals, whatever it may be. But you look some of the looks that they gave up in the first period were so high quality for the Canadians that it doesn't really matter. Right. So yes, Jari, he needs to come up with a save at some point. Like he, I, I believe he gave up four goals on, on seven shots in the first period or something like that. So they need better from that. But when you've got Brian Dumoulin and Jeff Petrie doing what they were doing in transition defense tonight, specifically in that first period, it's, it's, it's not one or the other. This is not a black and white situation. Gary says they have bottom third of the league goaltending. You add to that, they play far too nonchalant and with no sense of urgency when every game is a playoff game. Um, 
Yes, every game is a playoff game. Yes, they need to be banking points, and they're certainly not in a situation where they should have performances or lapses like they did in that first period. I don't know that it's that dire. Um, I don't know. I, I struggle with it, too, because they just went on that 7-1-1 one, one stretch after we'd all been complaining forever. They showed us that they were able to put together a good string of games there, even though it was against – you know, the not the greatest teams in the world. I think the larger issue here is that it just keeps happening at the worst possible times. Sean says, speaking on the goaltending in general, how many times have the Pens lost when scoring four plus goals? That is a good question. I would have to imagine it's, it's at least a handful, if not more. Um, you, you look back at some of these games that they have lost, it's like they either go up by multiple goals early and let other teams claw back in it. And then they just trade chance for chance the rest of the game or the inverse of that happens where they put up a bunch of goals because they have to fight back. But while they're fighting back, they're also giving up more goals. So um, I, I would have to imagine that figure is pretty high. Mike says, goaltending is absolute garbage and Sullivan doesn't have the guts to bench Jeff Carter at all. Well, I, I can't believe we made it this far without bringing up Jeff Carter. Uh, but Jeff Carter did get benched tonight. He was on the ice. Uh, actually, he, Dumoulin, and Petrie were on the ice for three goals against in that first period. All of them were at five-on-five. Five. Uh, second period, Carter only had three shifts. Three shifts during the second period. Third period rolls around. He gets one shift. One shift. And the Canadians score again. He sits the rest of the period. And then he's out there when the Penguins are trying to find the equalizer in the final minutes. It made absolutely no sense whatsoever, whatsoever. Koken asks, how's Ruta? If Ruta is out, we are going to be in big trouble. Him and Kulikov are our two big net front presences. Um, so if you're, if you're just tuning in, didn't catch the game, uh, during the third period, Jan Ruta took a, a pretty light shot from the point off the inside of his knee. Uh, he went down in pain, had to be helped off the ice, had to be escorted down the tunnel. Uh, Mike Sullivan did not have an update on his status, nor did he have an update on Jeff Petrie's status, who also left the game. Um, I, don't, I don't know that Ruta would be such a massive blow. Uh, Chad Ruweedle, I know people are a little bit down on him for the season that he's been having, but I think those two those two guys, they're very different players, um, but in the overall grand scheme of their value and the impact that they provide, I don't know that it's all that much different. Plus, on top of that, uh, Rue Weedle actually has way better results with P.O. Joseph um, than, than Ruta does with Joseph, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. DK Pittsburgh Sports says 13 losses after a third-period lead, just helping out from afar. The president of the Jeff Carter fan club. Thank you very much for the statistics. Brandon Erickson says, do goalies just play amazing against us or are we just not that good at scoring? Um, I think there's a couple of factors there. One of them is that if you go back to the start of last season, the Penguins have been a, a negative finishing team. And what I mean by that is that um, they typically score fewer goals than expected goals generated. If you're not familiar with expected goals, they weight the value of all unblocked shot attempts. It's, it's not perfect, but it's a little more nuanced than just looking at raw scoring chances or high danger chances. Um, but the Penguins have, since the start of last season, frequently scored below those expectations. Um, so I, 
I don't know what exactly it is. There's some individual players, a guy like Brian Rust who has put up a, a fair number of expected goals this season, um, but he doesn't have a lot of goals to show for it. So that's kind of something that's been a bit of a problem for the team here. But I think it also just goaltending so random. You see guys go from highs to lows to lows to highs all the time. That's just something that you're going to have when you're seeing so many different goalies around the league. Facebook user asks, why does everyone on the ice for the Penguins become pylons that refuse to move with the man advantage? They are making the job of the defenders way too easy. Um, if I'm understanding this correctly, this is talking about the Penguins power play. And I thought the Penguins power play was very, very good tonight. They, um, to, they, they did get the, uh, the capitalized goal from Evgeny Malkin early in the game. As the game went on, they had a couple other chances that they didn't convert on, but I thought they had some pretty good zone time. They were willing to hunt pucks down. They kind of mucked up uh, the Canadians trying to clear the zone, and, and they had some looks. So I, I don't know that there's a whole lot there with that um, for tonight's game. Daniel Neal says, on a positive note, 7-2-1 and one in the last 10 for what it is worth. Uh, that, that is a positive note, Daniel. And I, if I may add another positive note, I know uh, misery loves company, um, but this is now a four, five, six game stretch here where Chris Letang and Marcus Pedersen have turned in absolutely dominant performances on the top pairing. I'm not, I'm not talking good. I'm talking dominant. And that is a major, major step up, not only from what those two uh, did together earlier in the season that kind of produced just middling results, but it's also a massive step above Brian Dumoulin on the top pairing with Chris Letang. I'm not, I'm not convinced that the Pedersen and Letang are going to stay this dominant for the stretch run here, but I do think they're going to settle in at a pretty comfortable level here. And that that's a very, very massive development for the Penguins. Jay Kilpatrick says, at least the third line is productive now with Benino and Paling returning to the fourth line. Eventually I like the lineup. Well, I guess the age-old question is, is Jeff Carter going to be coming out of the lineup in that scenario? Um, there, there's no point in holding back anymore. Jeff, Jeff Carter is cooked. He is try, he's been tried basically for the past season and a half now. He's been tried with an abundance of different line mates. He's been tried on the third line. He's been tried on the fourth line when he's been put higher in the lineup. All of it has been a resounding failure, right? And Josh Archibald and Danton Heinen, like, they're, they're bottom six players, right? But they have not looked this bad all season. The Penguins went multiple games in a row, not tonight, but prior to tonight, Penguins went multiple games in a row without getting so much as a single shot on goal from their fourth line. That is a, that is a problem, and the common denominator here is Jeff Carter. Joel says, look, Danny, I know you can't just do this. I'm not asking you to do this seriously, but why can't you just flat out ask Sullivan why he hasn't scratched Carter yet just for the memes? I will tell everybody, I – look – no one is going in there. I get a lot of comments about, like, did you go in, in to, and tell Sullivan that Carter was on the ice for four goals against tonight? Look, I know we all think we're the smartest people in the world. Mike Sullivan is a heck of a lot smarter of a hockey person than any of us and any of us. He knows Jeff Carter was on the ice for a bunch of goals against. He knows Jeff Carter is not playing well. And the truth is media access is not for us to go in there and be like, oh, hey, here – you need, to, you need to make good with the fans here. We're going in there to augment the work that we're going to be doing, whether that be this broadcast or the writing that I'm going to do when I go home, right? Going in there and saying, hey, Mike, is there ever going to be a point where you scratch Jeff Carter? That's 
there's no point in doing that because it doesn't augment the work that I'm doing. It's going to piss Sullivan off and there's nothing to gain from it. Dwayne says, wasn't able to watch. How did the crowd react to the first period? Uh, well, the Penguins, they, they received some boos on their way off the ice after the first period. So I, th I think that tells you all you need to know. Koken's got another one here. He says, is the veteran experience making them feel too comfortable? They know what they are capable of and are confident in all situations. So they don't feel the same urgency that is forming bad habits. I don't know. It's at least fair to ponder that, right? Um, back in 2017, that team, it, you, it, it just never felt like they were out of, of any game, no matter what the score was, right? And that was because they were so confident in themselves at that time that they knew that they could work their way back into those games. Well, I, I have to believe that that confidence level, even though this group is entirely different and the players that are still here from that original group are gone, that that confidence is still dripping down. So there might be something there. Um, but again, I don't know that I don't know that it was so much a, an issue here tonight other than like, look, we're, we're talking about a handful of players here that are, are dragging this operation down. David says, as a GM at the trade deadline, how do you not place the highest priority at goaltender injury history and inconsistent backup play? Not enough of an urgency. Uh, I'm one of the few people and trust me, I, I'm not the biggest fan in the world of, of the Jari to Smith tandem either but you look at the Penguins situation going into this season, they didn't have any cap space, right? And what are you going to do? You could have moved on from Jari, but then you got to go find another number one who's probably going to cost significantly more than he does. And there's no guarantee that he would have turned in better results. And I know everybody's down on Casey DeSmith. He's been very, very inconsistent, but his highs have been super high. His lows have been super low. But if you look and compare him to the rest of the goal the backup goaltenders around the league. If you swapped him for any random backup on most teams, you'd be wishing you had the Smith back in quick order. And again, that's fully acknowledging that he has been too inconsistent this season and that his lows have been too low. But if you compare his cap hit, which I believe is 1.8 million for um, another season after this one, you're not going to get an upgrade over him at a better price than that on the open market. Gary asks, who would you start in goal on Thursday night? Uh, well, I, I hate the idea of the Smith going up against those Ranger, that Rangers team. It feels like those are the kind of guys like Zabanajad and Kreider. It feels like the kind of guys that would just pick him apart. Um, but at the same time, Jari's getting picked apart right now as well. We'll take a couple more here. We've got Joel saying, I know DK subtweeted it. But did you happen to catch Jesse Marshall's tweet about Jeff Carter's D-zone coverage on the third Montreal goal? If so, what do you make of it? Um, Jesse's a good buddy. I did not see his breakdown or his tweet of the D-zone coverage. Uh, if you want to provide a little further insight there, I can maybe speak a little further on that. Gary's got another one and says, I think Sully has to start Jari Thursday night and pray he finds his game. If he keeps him on the bench for DeSmith, it can't help Jari's confidence. I, I'm with you there, Gary. Like I said earlier in the show, um, they don't want to get to a point where Jari's confidence is in the, in the tank or there's any sort of question about who this team's number one is because if they're, if they're going to go anywhere this season, it has to be with Jari and goal, and it has to be with good Jari. 
A couple more. Daniel says, is the Dragon getting more confident offensively playing with Tanger? Certainly seems to think so. I certainly seem to think so. This is is the best stretch here over the past five or so games between those two um, that any Penguins pairing has had all season. I believe during that stretch they're now – uh, up seven to nothing in goals, eight to nothing in goals. They've got heavy, heavy advantages in shots, chances, expected goals. Um, and, and we saw even tonight, I, I'm one of those people that's been saying for a while that Pedersen, even though he doesn't put up a ton of points, he, he can impact the offense and, and, the, and the generation quite positively if he's deployed in the right manner. And he's definitely feeling that confidence this season. And that's why, even though, like I said, he doesn't have a lot of points, he has made a pretty big impact on the Penguins' ability to generate chances. Alex said, I don't know who asked about the Pens' record when scoring four or more goals. Penguins are 24-6-0. That is tied for the sixth most losses in the league. Yep, so that, that sounds about right there. <clears throat> see if uh, we got any more. No, I think I'm getting the go ahead that we've taken enough. I appreciate everyone tuning in to another episode of Penguins 24 seven. If you're new here, uh, we do these no matter who's covering for us at DK Pittsburgh sports. We do these after every, uh, every game. We hope you join us next time.